Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. As we're thinking about Lashon Hara, there's actually sort of a few different ways that that appears. We were just talking about with Nazi and kind of writing false things, actually writing positive things, but false positive things um, on the website, which is kind of an interesting Lashon Hara piece of this episode. But the one that I think is sort of more, you know, there's more to unpack and, and think about was the whole situation with Yifat. And, you know, her friend and, you know, perhaps rival, whatever, someone else in the field, right, where everything that Yifat says is very complimentary. And yet she also knows the way it's going to be heard. Um, Oh, yeah, she's great. She's like dominates the ultra orthodox, like the Haredi sphere. Like, wait, Haredi? It's like, oh, yeah, all the Haredi designers go to her. You know, so like everything was complimentary. And yet Ifat clearly sort of knows that this cool, hip, you know, modern Orthodox woman looking for a, a cool, hip, from fashion line um, is not going to want someone who is primarily working in the Haredi sphere, right? So, like, I mean, and it's interesting that Ifat thinks of that immediately, right? Like, just on the spot is like, th- like, that's her immediate response. And then you know, has to sort of unpack it with her friends. And of course, Ruth's like, yeah, totally fine. You know, <laughs> that's what you want. So you have to do what you have to do to get it. Um, you know, and um, Todea is just distracted with her story. Um, but it's, I, I think that whole idea of, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier as we were learning about this idea of kind of avak lashonhara, like the, the dust or the remnant of Lashon Hara, things that aren't actually Lashon Hara, but sort of are Lashon Hara, you know, things that you know are going to be heard in a certain way, even if you compliment someone, but you know that compliment is going to lead to someone thinking something negative about that person, right? That is considered a Vak Lashon Hara, like the the remnant of Lashon Hara, which is forbidden as well, just like Lashon Hara. Um, And so seeing sort of Yifat need to figure out is this bad? How do, what do I do about this? And then ultimately, you know, ends up taking the job and we, we don't know how that part of the story, un, you know, unfurled per se. Yeah. So when you consider that Lashon Hara, so it, it, it seems to not fall under the biblical definition of Lashon Hara, but certainly rabbinically it's understood to be prohibited. And that's this idea of right, Lashon Hara saying something bad about a person, right, is biblically prohibited. All the stuff that is considered a vak lashon hara, like the this like secondary lashon hara, isn't necessarily biblically prohibited, but it's definitely understood to be kind of rabbinically prohibited. That you know that it's going to lead to someone thinking negative thoughts, right? So that's a problem as well. Um, well, and just and just to kind of clarify and make this net a little bit wider, lashon hara is really. Any, anything you would say about another person that could lead them to think differently about the person. So it could be true. It could be not true. It could be in front of them. It could be behind their back. Lashon Hara is actually a very large category of how we speak. We just think about it as, you know, gossiping about somebody because that's how we learned about it when we were kids or that's how we most typically talk about it. But Really, it's just any kind of speech that might lead you to say something about another person 
that either isn't true or that they don't know that you're saying and then kind of snowball effects into something greater. Right. Renee has her hand up and then, yeah. So I was just curious as to if, so if somebody does Lashon HaRa like she did initially, but then she felt, uh, she felt bad and she wanted to, to go and fix it somehow out of her own, out of guilt, feeling guilty, does that, um, how does that work with the, lo- the whole idea of the Lashon HaRa? Does it like cancel it out or is she still gets the, uh, what do you, demerit or whatever for having committed Lashon HaRa? Like if you yeah. realize after you do something that's not so good, if you realize after and try to fix it or make amends, does that cancel it out? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I guess what I would say is, for one thing, there's the question, like Lashon Hara often hinges somewhat on the question of intent. I think in this case, it's actually pretty clear that Ifat's intent was negative, right? Her intent from the get-go, it wasn't like she said something and then it was like, oh, wait, is this person going to hear that negatively? I think the intent was clearly to... So she did recognize, she was like, but wait, I didn't, I didn't mean it that way. I don't want her to lose it. Right. Like she, she tried like that very famous Hasidic story that you've all probably heard with the pillow and the feather, the la la la, that, that, that was like exactly what was happening in front of us without the actual visual of a pillow. She was like, Oh, how do I gobble these words back into my mouth that I've now put out into the world? So yeah. What? I said, you think so? I'm not, I'm actually that sure. So I, yeah, I think so. She said so. Did she really? I don't know. I think it was like, right, the immediate response, like subconsciously almost is even, is like jealousy and like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to mess this up. And then afterwards she's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. That's bad. But like in the moment, she just went for it, you know. I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah, I guess the difference is like, (laughs) I, it sounds almost like what you're saying is like she didn't she didn't realize in the moment that this would be a bad thing, and I think she did realize in the moment it would be understood as a bad thing, and then she just realized. Like, I think oh. that she real. I think she recognized in the moment that what she was saying was negative of the person. I don't think that in the moment she recognized that all the words that she was about to say were going to potentially mean that that person got fired. That's I guess that's what I'm getting at is that. She she didn't necessarily recognize that her speech was going to lead to negative action as opposed to just being negative speech. Okay. I guess I'm just not sure if I agree. I think her thought is, I want the job, exactly, as Debbie and Steve say. She, her thought is, I want the job. They're only going to hire one person for this job. <laughs> so, so ultimately, her getting the job means this other person losing the job. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, Eileen was going to say something. Uh, I was going to say that I think she had full intent of why she said it and the way she, you know, put it, uh, that she was intending in order to discourage her from hiring the other woman and to hire her instead. I think it was to put the other woman down and she knew what she was doing. And I think she even knew it more because she reached, she had wanted to get advice to approve her (laughs) what she did and, and she knew she was wrong. Right. You're right. You know, maybe in the moment, it's sort of like that was the immediate reaction. And then she was like, oh, if I had time to think about it, I would have said I shouldn't do this. But, you know, but I think in the moment, the intent to me was pretty clear of what she was, you know, what her her purpose was to try to. Right. She was waiting for this job 
Yeah, Lashon Hara just being competitive. I mean, I think that counts as Lashon Hara, right? You're saying this so that this person might lose the job so that you can get the job. That is Lashon Hara. It's also competitive, but it's, uh, it's a certain, you know, it's using tools of Lashon Hara for competitive purposes, which I think is still considered Lashon Hara. Um, right? I mean, and that's when we, when it went through the, um, in the Chafetz Chaim, when he talks about the kind of like the rules of Lashon Hara, um, one of the things he says is that, you know, it, you need to make, it needs to be only, uh, you know, it must be only for, for benefit. Like it can't be just something that benefits you and harms another person. It needs to be something that like is going to be purely beneficial to the, you know, in this case to Nitzan, right? If she's saying this thing to Nitzan, if, if it was really true that, oh, this person would be a bad fit, and it's not for self-serving purposes, but really just looking out for Nitsan's well-being and the well-being of her company, that would be different. But in this case, it's clearly self-serving, you know. So I think it's hard to justify it, um, you know, halachically. Yeah, I think, was Denise next? Yeah. Okay, Denise. So I feel like there's a big picture perspective of kind of all the petty divisions within the Jewish world, because the irony is, you know, if any one of those Haredi clients finds out that this girl is doing a job for some hip designer in Tel Aviv, like it's over. All her clients are going to drop her faster than you can say Lush and Hara. So, you think so? Yeah, a thousand percent. Ten thousand percent. If somebody does, like they have like Mishpacha magazine here in the U.S. and, and Mishpacha family and Mishpacha teen and then whatever all these different publications, then God help one of those writers if they appear in the Jewish journal. Forget it. It's over. You you can't be, you can't dance at two weddings, as they say. And so, um, so to me, when I saw it, it was like, yeah, she's clearly doing something kind of corporate underhanded type of thing. But, but it's only underhanded because of the Mishikas in the Jewish community. It doesn't have to be that way. That's a whole other class for a whole other day. <laughs> um, no, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, you can talk. Yeah, I guess I'm. I didn't think about. That. I mean, is I'm not, and I'm if a, if a for one. So Nitsan's company is the idea is that it's fashionable, but still sneaks, sneaks, right? It's sort of intended for modern Orthodox. No, 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 no. Because in the from world where she's doing her work right now, this other photographer or designer, there's this whole thing about you should be attractive, but not attracting. And you should, your shadow can't be too long because that's sexy. Chabad says yes. The Bora Park says no. And then like, you know, you can't, you shouldn't wear fashions from this year. If you go pick up your kids with your sunglasses on your, up on your head, you can't do that. It's too modern. <laughs> no way would that designer be accepted if if she was at the other. No way. Interesting. Yeah. Because, yeah, I could see modern Orthodox people being like, oh, this cool designer, this hip, cool. Yeah, modern Orthodox, keyword being modern. Right, <laughs> you're right. Maybe Haredi people would be like, I'm not getting a thing from a this designer who works in the the exact world. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. Uh, I think Rabbi Barbara and then I guess Michael and then Renee. Yeah. 
There we go. Oops, sorry. I think that was my fault. There we go. No, I got it. Um, it seemed to me, you know, you might have this all this stories about, you know, what should she do? Should she talk to Nirzan? Should she not talk to Nirzan? Should she confess to Nirzan? And then when she actually goes there, is it Nirzan or Nitzan? Anyway. Nitzan, yeah. Nitzan. She, Nitzan says something like, she said something about the other, the other designer and then she says, but of course you wanted the job. And so I sort of got the impression that beyond all the, the angst that Yifat had, in a way, when she said those things, uh, Nitsan's mind went, okay, well, that could be problematic. It's like what Denise was saying. It could be problematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, okay, I get it. Or, you know, when she stopped to think about the conversation, maybe she went, oh, maybe she's telling me that because she really wants the job. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's what I was thinking. And I wanted to ask Denise, um, but now I can't remember. So go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. If I think of it, I'll text her. Michael. Hi. Uh, Hi. I want to change the subject a little bit to guess where <laughs> to our yeah. favorite character. Yeah. How do we, I know it's a small subplot. But nonetheless, how do we judge in this context of Lashon Hara, uh, Nadi's breaking the news to uh, a beginner clown mm. that she's fired? Granted, he thought she knew, but she didn't. And I'll leave that for your uh, discussion to the two, to the three rabbis. Rabbi shots, any thoughts? <laughs> yeah. So it's actually, it's funny that you bring that up, Michael, because when Rai Parnick texted me two days ago to say, we're going to be talking about Lashon Hara. And I said, okay, fine. I thought that that's actually where he was getting it from. Um, So I was surprised today when we were talking about Yifat and um, the job piece. Yeah. You know, I think that Nati is just constantly, constantly sticking his foot in his mouth. He just like doesn't really realize how to be a social human being most of the time. And so he he thought that he was um, comforting her and yet he was creating problems. And like, that's just, that's just a naughty issue, right? <laughs> it's just who he is. That's what happens. Um, so is it Lashon Hara? No, because he's telling her something that, that first of all is about her and is factual and, I guess you could maybe categorize it as Lashon Hara until someone else tells her. I don't really think so. And I would argue that I'm right, but um, I, I don't, I don't see it as, um, I don't see it as being harmful in a Lashon Hara way. It's definitely harmful in a social, emotional way, which we see. Um, and and then he doesn't really know what to do afterwards. Like he doesn't even go after her, which you know, come on, sir. Like let's let's get with the picture here. Um, so I don't I don't know. Maybe Rye Pernick has more to say on the topic. I just think that it's it's very classic Nati to not know how to read a situation, to be like a little bit 
overly ambitious and want to smooth things over and therefore make problems. Uh, but I don't, I don't know that we would put it in the category of Lashon Hara, though I'm guessing that because I said it's not in the category of Lashon Hara, Rai Pernick will say that it is. So over to Rai Pernick. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't think that was Lashon Hara. I think it, he, he meant it as something helpful. But I, I think what, you know, when he was asked, but, and this comes to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, when he was asked by his supervisor, hey, what do you think about the clown on our unit? Do you think that this benefits patients? I don't think the well-being of patients was anywhere on his mind when he responded. Correct. Correct. 100%. I think it was like, yeah, no, I believe in antibiotics. But he does say, like, some people seem to think it helps. But also, but also, but also, he is worried about being around this woman who I I think I'm like now reading into this a little bit, but he's worried about being around a woman that he doesn't really know how to deal with. Right. He like clearly has feelings for her. She's told him what to do about it. If he wants to do anything, he doesn't know how to take that bait. So they're just kind of like, plus now he's like Mr. Hotshot. Now everyone wants to date him. I mean, yeah, sure. It's true, you know. He's Mr. Hotshot according to a website. He's not. No, Mr. but now Hotshot everyone's calling to set updates with him. Ah, uh, yeah, and then they don't. Yeah, if, I, if I may, Rabbi, it's already showing that his uh, attempt to be Mr. Hotshot's falling apart very quickly. Um. Yes, Rabbi Barbara. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't. Mm, you will see. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that he's recognizing that if other people think he's a hot, like he became much more egotistical again in this episode than he was last episode. Right. Um, because all of a sudden people were telling him how great he was. Right. I think he he had the huge ego before. We saw that ego as he, his like self-esteem plummeted. His ego also went down. And he also, and like, I think even dating, what's her, whatever her name, I can't remember. Daphna. Daphna, right. Even dating Daphna and she has a kid and all that. I think there's a sense of like Mr. Nazi with his big ego would have been, you know, would have been just like, I'm not dealing with that. Like I can date whoever I want. Everyone is in love with me. And then, you know, what he got to a point where he was lower where he was like, actually, you know what, maybe, you know, maybe this is different. Maybe like I, uh, you know, I need to actually commit and work, do the work that's like required for this person. But now suddenly he's Mr. Hotshot again, and it's kind of like, okay, I can date anyone. Like, and I agree. I think Daphne is sort of an inconvenience in certain ways because she's a reminder, and she also like calls him out on stuff, and right? Inconvenience. She'll, no, like she, just seeing her, seeing her around, right? Like it's just sort of like, oh, she gets in the way. She's like a reminder of the of my shortcomings. Mm-hmm. But you're, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't like talk about someone as being an inconvenience and getting in the way. It might hurt someone's feelings. But yeah, no, I think I, (laughs) but I I hear what you're saying. Um, I think that maybe what you're trying to say, if I may, um, is that, you know, he, he recognizes that the, the social aspect of working with somebody who you have feelings for that you don't necessarily know how to interact with is, is distracting and also is, difficult on the relationship and so given that he has not yet figured out what that looks like it was easier um 
a computer program that would do your davening for you. I know. I also loved that idea. I was like, I could sleep through Shakri. That would be awesome. Um, but the, uh, <laughs> be really great to, to like a fault. It'd be really great. Um, but then also the doctor shouldn't have asked him in such a public way. He shouldn't have, I mean, I know that we're talking about a film here, but like, he shouldn't have been able to see her while he was making this quote recommendation or not about her. I think that was unfair. That does lead to Lashon Hara. Um, and you know, I think that's, there's a lot playing into this. And we all know from relationships that we've been in, romantic or otherwise, that sometimes you say something so that you get out of it what you want, whether that's distance or closeness. Um, and that's what happened in that case, I think. Is that fair? Was that what you were trying to say? Um, sure. Okay. I'm going to stick with my, I'm going to stick with my words. No, no, no. Don't stick. Those were bad vocabulary words. We're not going to use those. <laughs> uh, okay, Renee. Uh, never mind, because you moved on from the Lashon Hara piece, so I don't want to go down that. You can go back. I, I was just going to say that it kind of reminded me of when I was learning the Silat Yisharim and going down that whole slippery slope, you know, and that maybe, um, when she, even though what she, what she said might not have been that big of a deal, that it was, it became a big deal because it would have created a, uh, a domino kind of effect. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that's what Rai Pernick and I were talking about a little bit earlier that it's not just, do you want to use your example, Rai Pernick, since Susan is here? Sure. Okay. This, so, is, a, this is an example that Rai Pernick really enjoyed. So. Yeah, so I said if um, you know Susan was considering working with Rabbi Schatz, and then I said to Susan, like, hey, you should know that Rabbi Schatz, you know, has a terrible temper and throws things. Right, like I was, you know, said something about like the example has become a little bit more embellished. I know. Now I'm, I'm okay. um, you know, like, and we were talking about okay, so what? There's so many different pieces to that. There's the piece of, do I know, do, do, A, does Susan know me, right? Is Susan going to be like, who are you? And what are you, like, why are you trying, like, what are you trying to do here? Why are you trying to, like, you know, prevent, stop me from working with her? Um, there's another piece of, you know, for me, who's the one saying that, is the, you know, do I think Susan's going to, A, like, does she, do we have a strong enough relationship that she would say, oh, okay, you say I shouldn't work with her, so I'm not going to work with her? Or is this something that she's going to s- still follow through and work with her, with Rabbi Schatz? But then at some point when Rabbi Schatz has a temper tantrum and starts throwing things, she's like, oh, Rabbi Pernick said that, you know, warned me about this side of you, right? And so in that case now, what I said is sort of being passed on and is is now being used as sort of ammo in a fight so like, right, so all of those pieces we were talking about, and actually I think I was thinking about this in light of like Nati's, when Nati is asked about Daphna, um, and of like, who are you asking? And like, does Nazi as the resident actually have input in this decision? Like that to me was a little strange, like what they, act, you know, and if, like, what advantage is it for them to ask him what he thinks about this person? Is his input actually going to be, like, does it weigh in? Um, <laughs> I like giving my shots as a response. Okay. Um, yeah, so like, you, I think it requires knowing 
who you're talking to, how it's going to be heard, what that person is going to do with that information. Are they going to keep it to themselves or are they going to pass it along? You know, is it self-serving? Am I saying, you know, all these bad things are rubbish shots because I want Susan to work with me, right? There's all these like pieces that you have to sort of know the players um, and you have to know the situation. And that's why the Hafez Khan talks about the importance of like actually like reflect, like thinking about what are the, what are the ramifications and what are the purposes? What, you know, what are, what are you trying to get out of it? If it's purely to stop a harmful situation, that's okay. But if there's ulterior motives then it's a problem. Yeah. So that was clearly not a real example, except for that Susan does work for me, with me, for me, of both. Um, and, uh, but, but it is, it is something that when you're talking about other people, this goes back to what I said earlier about it doesn't have to just be a negative thing that Josh could have said really lovely things about me, um, which would be more realistic and, uh, and could have somehow made that into, into something that even if it was really lovely things about me, that it would make Susan not want to work with me. That is still a shown harap. Even if Josh is, glowing about how lovely of a person I am, if he's making it sound like those are still qualities that Susan wouldn't want to work with or be around, then all of a sudden now this is Lashon Hara because maybe Josh thinks that either Susan will come and work with him or somehow I, you know, I won't get the benefit of working with anybody, whatever it is. Um, that is still a shon harat, even if the speech itself is positive. So I just wanted to give that spin on it. Yeah. Um, the intention is extremely important in the speech itself. Yeah. Both um, intention and sort of yeah. the relationship piece, I think, also. That, like, yeah. there's someone, and again, this comes to the, the question about the supervisor asking Nati. Like, uh, I think, right, even asking, like, if Nati's opinion is not going to be part of the calculus, like, if if they are asking all of the doctors on the unit, including the residents, and they actually are going to, based on the, you know, sort of come to a decision based on that cumulative input, fine. Um, but if, I don't know, like, to me, it seemed like, are you really going to ask the residents about the benefit to patients of the medical clown, like that right. seems strange. And if if, if you're not going to utilize his input, then what's your purpose in asking him? Well, and especially because probably why he was being asked was because this person had noticed that he had spent more time with her, whether or not mm. she knew about their dating. Who knows? But it's unfair. Um, I, this would be a real life example, right? It would be unfair if someone was on this call right now who was trying to get Rabbi Parnik to work for them as their rabbi in their community and was on this call as, you know, just an observer and a student. The, the fact that they see that I know Rabbi Parnik well coming to me to ask me those questions is either an advantage or a disadvantage, depending on how I feel about Rabbi Parnik in the moment. But that closeness, right, is something that the person is, um, is aware of and therefore is, is pulling that, that relationship, as Ryan Parnick mentioned before, is pulling from, from a sense of, oh, you must know this person well enough to give me an answer one way or the other. And I think that's what was happening with Nazi, right? They didn't just go to someone random in the hospital. They specifically went to a person who has spent a lot of time with her. Again, not knowing the background. But seeing that that they had spent a lot of time together and probably knew each other very well. 
Though I don't know that that means that he knows how much patients benefit from her work. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying that it does. I'm just saying the relationship, right? That, that the person who asked the question knew that there was a relationship there and mm-hmm. expected that that would give a different kind of response. Right. Oh, I think she's, I think she's helped the unit tremendously and she's exactly. even exactly. made the doctors feel better, whatever. You're right. Yeah. 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 yeah Norm. Yeah. I think it seemed pretty clear that she was doing a broad, you know, survey of all the physicians that had worked with her. And she later said, you know, that which way you went wouldn't actually have made a difference because yeah, of the consensus. So true. it goes no farther. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. point. I didn't remember that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Renee. Does lying ever fall under Lashon Hara if it impacts another person? Like when he fought, lied to, but to that clinic about coming in, saying she couldn't come in when obviously she did it because she has some issues with, with Amir and her, it was a conscious decision not to go because now she'd have to wait a whole other month before she considers doing it. Is that, does that tie in anywhere? With Lashon Hara that's, ever? That's a different category of speech, but that wouldn't be Lashon Hara because she's not speaking about anybody except for herself. She's just lying. Yeah. Um, and even, even lying in, you know, in Halakha or just Jewish tradition in general has different types of categories. So if you're lying for a certain reason, that's one category. If you're lying, lying for another, it's another, but it's not Lashon Hara in, in the way that it was done, at least in that example. Right. Distance yourself from a lie, from words of lying. So yeah, it's a different category of things, but also a, a problematic, you know, things that you can't do. Um, you're right. I think, you know, here, again, we've like touched on a number of different types, none of which are like straight up, right? So for one thing, there's all the people commenting about Nazi on the site. So like those things are true. And like, I think that's a question of Alishana also, right? right? All these people commenting on the article and saying, Nati has a massive ego. He's the biggest jerk I ever dated. So like, I mean, that might be true. Um, it's not, it's a negative thing, but possibly someone reading this article and being like, Ooh, this Nati guy seems cool. Will now see these comments and be like, actually, I'm not going to, I'm going to pass. So I don't know. What do people think? Is that, does that fall under permissible? Again, if it's true, let's assume it's true that these are people who actually dated Nazi and they did find him to be the biggest jerk that they ever dated. <laughs> do you think to put it out publicly, not just, not when being asked for you, their opinion, but just publicly for everyone to see, uh, you know, no, he's the biggest jerk I ever dated. Stay far away. Like. They also could be getting back at him because he didn't pursue them or have any more interest in them. So it could have been with negatism, a negative reason that they made those comments. Yeah, certainly. Right. He never called me back. He didn't put that, take down my phone number. (laughs) It's it's interesting. Debbie and Steve wrote that it was, that it is Lashon Hara. It's an interesting category of Lashon Hara because uh, of course it is, it is now getting people to speak ill of, in this case, Nazi, um, or to at least think bad things about him that they might not otherwise even know. And at the same time, you know, if I were a person looking at that website to see if I wanted to date the Israel's most eligible doctor fourth, or whatever. Fourth, fourth most. Or fourth, excuse me. Well, you know, if I can't have the first, I might as well have the fourth. <laughs> um, that, 
that could be helpful, right? So in the category of, is it Lashon Hara, like, big adult, like, as an umbrella um, category? Sure. Is it also helpful? Yeah, probably if it's, if it's honest. Um, so that, that's also where, right. Yeah. The idea of rate my professor is exactly the same thing, right? Where you are, you're opening up these floodgates to hearing people's opinions, whether they're good or they're bad. Um, and are the, are, are all of those comments, Lashon Hara, just the negative ones? Like Halakha would say that all of them are because you're talking about the person and you're, and you're sharing words about them in a way that they, um, that will be out in the world for people to hear and comment and, um, and judge. Right. So I think, I guess before we get to Debbie and Steve, I think it's interesting to think about these three different things that Rabbi Barbara brings, Yuri brings, and then Nazi, right? So one is about a product, right? A company you know, you're, you're, you want to buy a product and you want to see what are the reviews on this product. Another is something is like rate my professor, where it's something that professors going into the field, like if you're, if a company is advertising a product online, they know there's going to be reviews that right often they, they need there to be reviews on the product. Um, rate my professor, at least when it first came up was a little bit like professors are like, wait, I don't, I don't like this. Like I didn't, I didn't know people are going to be evaluating my job performance publicly. Um, but at the same time, now it's sort of a known deal that, okay, if you're going to be a professor at a university, you know that there's going to, there, there are these sites where, you know, your performance is evaluated by students, not by, you know, superiors. And that means that someone could, you know, you could have given someone a deservingly bad grade and they could just trash you. Nazi is different in that Nazi didn't ask for this, right? Nazi didn't ask to be put on this website. Um, and this comes to that last category that we had spoken about earlier of excessively praising someone that then causes other people to be like, well, there's this negative thing about them, right? So if you speak just over glowingly positively about someone, people are going to be like, well, I saw him do this. Well, I saw, right? They're going to find the thing, the flaws. And that's sort of what we see with Nazi, that Nazi is just going about his business, doesn't know what's going on. Suddenly this website is talking about how he's a movie star, good looks and blah, blah, blah. And now all these other people are like, yeah, but he has a massive ego. So I think it's even worth thinking about, like, is this site that posts these most eligible bachelor things, right? Is what they're doing Lashon Hara, even though it's all good things, because those good things are leading to then, for people to then comment bad things. Yes. Yes. Rabbi Schatz says yes. She says, never talk about anybody. No, but I mean, I mean, Rabbi Schatz is not saying that, but, um, but that's what the halacha says. I mean, that is, that is what, that is where Lashon Hara begins, is talking about anybody. So, because it can open you up for saying something that's either good or bad, or the, or the information being heard as good or bad, and then being judged incorrectly. Debbie and Steve. So just what you just just said right here, what you just that's exactly what I was going to talk about is, you know, listening to Lashon Hara tonight and, and, and kind of this the standard that's being set up, you know, as as good human beings, we're supposed to be concerned about, aware of, attentive to the people in our lives. But the, uh, the standard set up by Lashon Hara is we, we may not talk about them. Isn't there kind of a. Uh, conflict there i mean these are people in our lives and we're we're not we're supposed to be you know 
uh, connected with them and, and, and concerned about them, but gosh, we can't talk about them at all ever. Uh, what do you think? Right, partner. Right, and I think that's the challenge that we do talk about them, right? Like we all talk about other people. That's part of like, imagine a conversation with someone where you're not talking about anyone else who you know in common, just in passing. Like it, it would be really hard to do. It that. wouldn't be really hard. Everyone would just talk less. People would talk a lot less. Yes. That's or not at all. Yeah. So like, it's an interesting standard to try to uphold, but you're right. It would, like it would totally change the nature of, and, and often those things, right, it helps us know what's going on in people's lives and, you know, like flesh out people's characters because we've only met them briefly and so forth. So, yeah, like it's, I agree with you. I think that's why as much as the Chafetz Chaim has these standards of what's okay and what's not okay and how you have to reflect on it, like, I don't know. I think it's very rare that people actually live by those or even try to. It's just so hard to, to do that. And I don't, I think... I, I wonder what the net effects of actually following the Chafetz Chaim to a T would be in terms of like the way people talk. I guess they'll just talk about, you know, Torah. <laughs> like, well, I think, I but know. I think, so the most famous um, application of Lashon Hara is when we talk about Sarat and that all comes from the rabbis wanting to understand where where could this possibly come from? Why would you have it? What is it? We don't really know. Um, and one of the things that is that is so interesting about Sara'at is that it is not just on you, but it affects everything around you. And I think that that's, that's where this Lashon Hara piece that you're bringing up, Steve, comes into play, because we are not going to all go around not talking about people, right? We could do a better job not talking negatively about people or gossiping about people, but we're not going to go around for all the reasons that you that you explained and that Rabbi Parnik was just mentioning. It just doesn't make any sense as humans to not be able to ask about somebody or share information about somebody, especially if it's to, to the benefit of the other person who you're speaking to. And just like Sarat, you need to be aware of how your words are going to affect just beyond your own body and affect the person you're speaking to, your household, the way that you, you know, present yourself out into the world. So I obviously just gave a drosh. None of that is, none of that is fact and none of that is, um, uh, halacha, but it is, it is clear to me that the reason that the rabbis make that connection is because that is what our words do. And especially in, the kind of sense that Rabbi Pernick is talking about that you open up this most eligible bachelor and, you know, the person who chose him might, might think he's the most eligible bachelor, but all those women didn't think so. And so they shared their opinions. And now that has opened these floodgates of Lashon Hara. So I, I, I think that it, it's important for us to remember that we are all going to engage in categories of Lashon Hara in basically every conversation we have, it's just a matter of, is it negative or is it just Lashon Hara because it is something that could affect a person and we should choose to make that be positive. I think Leonard was up, uh, was up next. Okay. So can you hear me? Yeah. Great. Um, So what if you know somebody who just isn't a very nice, good person. He cheats people, he steals things, whatever. 
don't you have a obligation to warn somebody about this person? Yes, you do. Um, and again, I think this, this is in the category of, you know, would that be under the umbrella of Lashon Hara? Yeah. But are you doing it for the benefit of the other person who needs to know to not engage in that, um, uh, to engage in that relationship or to buy something from that person? Or is it going to be helpful? Yes, of course. So that kind of outweighs the, um, the category of a being Lashon Hara. Right. Thank you, Rai Parnik, for saying right. Because now you know that I'm, that that was Yeah. So, right. You, you, you have the ability and, and perhaps even the obligation to share truthfully if there's something negative. Right. But it still is Lashon Hara. It is still negative speech about someone, but it's, you know, acceptable Lashon Hara. Correct. Yeah. Norm. In the civil law, I believe that one of the exceptions to defamation is when somebody asks you a question with the expectation that you will be frank with them. And it seems to me that when the head of the department asks Nadi, do you think we need this position? She's expecting an honest evaluation. And he gives her what he considers to be an honest evaluation, um, you know, probably both times, actually. Mm-hmm. Um and it seems like maybe there ought to be an exception um, or, you know, a carving out of a rule about Lush and Hara that would be similar. Yeah. It sounds like there is actually where you're, where you're doing that in order to help somebody. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Again, like I think um, when we think about these different categories, right, just like is a very different category, but it's similar in the example that I'm going to give. When we think about things that are tahor or tameh, right? Anything that is in the category of tameh is not, it doesn't remain tameh forever. And it doesn't mean that something bad is going to happen if you engage with it, right? So if you think about like the the, the idea of nida, right? Like a, a woman doesn't remain that way for forever, but is still in that can still remain in that category, that umbrella category. So the idea of Lashon Hara being under a category, I'm about to get a phone call. Sorry, it's going to be loud. Um, sorry. Um, the, the way that those kinds of statements come under the category of Lashon Hara does not mean that you shouldn't share them and shouldn't uh, bring them, you know, to the surface. It just means that they live under a certain kind of category that you should be aware of, um, and kind of navigate, navigate accordingly. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Rari Karnik, for the, mm-hmm. the yeah. <laughs> Uh, any other thoughts, comments? Yeah, yeah Susan. Susan. You have to unmute Susan. Oh, you know. Okay. Yeah, I know. But thank you. So I didn't see the the clip that you or the whatever you guys showed. Um, but thank you. Episode. But it does occur to me that each one of us sees the world in the way we see the world. Okay. And I can see that I can see this human as a, a horrible human or just not a great guy. Okay. But you, Rebecca, or Rabbi Schatz, sees that human as a very doesn't you don't see what I see who's more right and and that's the whole that so when someone's when someone opens with oh she's starting work tomorrow and she's this this and this well that may not be who she is but now we've do you know what I'm saying yes 
Okay, help me. I I do I do know what you're saying, and I and I think that that's that's exactly I mean similar to what Norm was saying. I think that that goes under this category of is it going to be lashon hara? Probably. Is it okay to share and maybe even beneficial to share? Yes. So that that's where this category of lashon hara has flexibility and allows you to to benefit from still engaging in what would be considered lashon hara but to make sure that we know about people and we know um how to engage with them and how to and how to socialize around them oh wait you're muted again you're muted wait wait, wait. go ahead but who muted me did you mute me i did okay. it's okay we're gonna keep going mm-hmm. <laughs> but 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 I may not see it accurately. I am just sharing my my opinion, but my opinion could be so desperately wrong. Yeah. And then and but with in good faith I'm sharing that opinion because I want to protect you, right? And I'm wrong. I saw it wrong. I read it wrong. Yeah. And that that's like a double, triple, quadruple awfulness. You know, that's hurtful. Yeah. I mean, I, again, to go back to that pillow analogy, right, that with the Hasidic story that anything you put out into the world with your words could, as as we t- say every uh, every morning with Baruch Shamar, like it could it could create worlds and it could destroy worlds. So it's just based on how accurate that information is and what the person does with that information. So yeah, you could be misreading or you, the person could have given off the wrong first impression that you're now uh, kind of basing everything off of, but that's the, I mean, not to be like super cliche, but like that's, that's the risk we take in being human and engaging socially. I think I don't I don't know a way around it um, that would keep people from speaking Lashon Hara, but also would keep people in communication with one another. But maybe Rai Parnik has something other than yes to say to that. I don't actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I think that, right. This episode speaks to like just the complications of like being, in relationships with of different types, right? Different friends, romantic, um, professional, all of these relationships have, you know, there's sort of roles that you play. You're asked feedback sort of in different ways. You know, Nitsan sort of asks kind of maybe a little bit Yifat for her feelings about this other woman, Miri, I think that's her name. You know, the supervisor asks Nati's opinion sort of professionally. You know, so all of these are like situations in which you need to, share information about another person, whether to a friend, to a colleague, to a, you know, potential romantic partner, whatever, that like, it's complicated of how are you doing it for the well-being generally of people? Or is it coming from a place of jealousy? Is it coming from a place of like, I want that position? There's so many different pieces there that um, we all, I think, deal with even subconsciously all the time. Yeah, Jeff. Well, uh, speaking from a number of years of experience, when one uh, reviews faculty uh, for promotions or hiring, uh, and, or for that matter, student evaluations of faculty members, uh, one thing you have to do as a committee member is weed out, you know, uh, comments whether they're really 
comments on, on, on professional things or just personal statements. And that's always tough to do uh, because a lot of personal statements can really shade your opinion. But then you have to look at, you know, to decide whether these are just people don't like a, a person or they're really criticizing their their work, their actual work. And, and that's tough. But it certainly can shade the committee uh, if they get enough, uh, you know, negative comments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that I brought up, I think you were there, so I'm sorry for repeating myself. But one of the things I brought up um, before you all watched the episode was that in the conservative movement, there's actually a tuva on writing letters of recommendation because for exactly that reason of potentially putting putting words that will live, you know, forever on a page about a person, you have to know, am I supposed to say glowing things? Because that would be what, how we would want a person to be known in the world. Or do I say honest things that might not be as glowing if the person asks me for a recommendation? So it, what you, what you are bringing up, it also made me think about, I don't know if this happened with Rabbi Pernick, um, but when I, uh, interviewed, I was gonna say auditioned, I guess a little bit of auditioning, uh, to be the rabbi at Temple Betham, there were other candidates. And one of the things that they asked at the end of each weekend was for people to fill out a survey that they said whether or not they liked us, what we did well. I never saw those, obviously, but there are stacks of papers in, you know, the head of the search committee's office, uh, that say, what what people enjoyed and didn't enjoy about all these different candidates. And that is both helpful and also, yes, the category of Lashon Hara, because I'm sure there were not all glowing things about any of the three of us. Um, you're smiling. Yeah. You have something to say, right, Pernod? No, I mean, I was thinking about that. Um, like, I mean, even when synagogues go through, you know, like our synagogue is sort of doing a minor strategic planning thing. But then, like, the report comes back, right? So, like, if you have a focus group within the synagogue, but then, like, it gets reported back to the leadership. And if it's, like, oh, it's the same people who take on leadership and everything, or, like, oh, it would be better if the rabbi did this, and then it comes back, and you don't know, like, it just, right, there's all these things of, like, okay, so who, so now, A, do the people who are saying these things know who's going to end up hearing it? Do they think it's staying in a certain room? Do they recognize it saying this, that it's going to be, it's going to, other people, including those who they might be, saying something that could be heard negatively are going to hear this thing and so forth. Like there's just, but at the same time, you want people to share honestly what their opinions are. So it's just complicated. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, hey, Leonard, Leonard, last comment. Last comment. All right. Better be a good one. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, chat over here yeah. and, uh, and uh, Debbie and Steve wrote that if those negative things are said, the person has no chance to start over and restart because people have prejudged. And that reminded me of a business trip I had once to Bermuda. And I took a taxi from the airport to my hotel. And the taxi driver happened to also be, I think he was the chief of police in, in well, maybe not all of Bermuda, but wherever I was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, you know, we were talking on the way over there. One of the things he said, you know, is that it's a small place. You know, most people know a lot of a lot of the other people were around. And if you're known as one of the bad guys, as a thief or whatever, you basically have no chance at all in Bermuda because nobody will hire you. Nobody will give you a chance because and the only way you can make a living is being a crook. And he said it's a real problem that the crooks have no no options. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it's a problem even in 
even in America, right? When someone has a rap sheet, it's hard to, it's hard to start over. It's hard to get a job. Um, and some, it's a bigger town here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And some for good reason. Right. But, but, and it also, it also does taint your, uh, your general persona, right? People know you now as a certain kind of person and then it's harder to, to work your way out of that because it takes a lot of work for people to, to see you as someone who has changed. But that, I mean, in Judaism, the idea of tshuva is just that, right? I remember, I won't go into details, but in high school, there was a little bit of a scandal with some students in my high school and they, they were suspended from school, but they are expelled. I don't remember from school, but they, they were told that they had to do tshuva to be able to return the next year. And there were steps that they had to do both, you know, through the actual Jewish tradition, but also just in order for there to feel like there was healing. But the students knew that there was something that they would always walk around with that, that painted them as a certain kind of, of, um, in this case, it wasn't felon, but you know, in, in a certain kind of way that, that people would then judge them. Did you want to say something about it? You look like you I was going to say, I've been thinking about schools particularly. Like I went to a, I mean, I went to a public school, but it was a fairly small school. To, you know, it was a hundred something kids per grade, but you think even more so at small, like Jewish day schools that go K, K through 12, like, you know, you can't ever live down the things that you did when you were in first grade. <laughs> like in some cases, I mean, I remember there was a girl in my in, in my like middle school who ended up transferring because she accidentally walked into the boys' bathroom in like fifth grade, and like two years later she transferred because she felt like not that people commented all the time, but she felt like she remembers that feeling of embarrassment. And then when she ever she saw people, she thought they were thinking about her as the person who walked into the boys' bathroom and like ended up transferring or dropping out, whatever. Like. And it's so hard because of that idea of like you're around these people. You can't like it's a little bit different in our situation in like Sergeim and Katamon, where it's like a big enough pool so you can find people who don't know you um, or don't know these things about you. But especially in right, like just thinking about the ramifications of right. If everyone is reading this website, everyone is seeing people write Nati is a jerk. Nati, right? Like so all these people who not who haven't met Nati yet and haven't yet experienced firsthand how jerky he is like now it's all out there in public a public eye for everyone so you know which for better or for worse but often it's you know for worse um so i know everybody shot has to go but um yeah that's uh a lot of different variations and and levels i guess of uh of Lashon Lashon Hara. um I just want to say thank you all for being here. It was really lovely to be with you. And also it doesn't go, at least to me, unnoticed that we got to talk about an Israeli TV show at a time when things in Israel are not positive. Um, and so really lovely to be able to, to speak about something that albeit not, <laughs> not real, um, allowed us to bring a little bit of joy into the narrative of Israel today. So, um, thanks for being here. Thanks for engaging the conversation and, uh, we will see you next week. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. 
For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.